0: So next year, next week, I conclude this message series on having and growing wise hearts, talking about death, talking about how our hearts only truly ever will grow wise when we can make our peace with our mortality and the limitations of what it means to be human. I'm not going to talk so much about death today, but I want to start with my favorite deathbed scene of all time. It's probably apocryphal but it sounds about right knowing a little bit about the characters. It's about Emerson and Thoreau, two of the giants of our Unitarian Universalist tradition. It's said that Emerson, when he visited Thoreau in his final hours as he was dying, that he never saw a person so at peace. That almost as his life force ebbed out, it grew. And that, to use the language as we might say the last 20, 30, 40 years, that Thoreau became completely self-actualized. And when Thoreau was asked by someone who was trying to needle him a little bit, making sure he was going to be okay with headed to the right place after life, and said, have you made your peace with God? Thoreau answered in his final hours, almost with his final breath. I didn't know we'd ever quarreled. Now ours is not just a religion about Thoreau. Or Emerson: stories about the great men, the great teachers. We instead are invited to practice and share and live out the religion of Thoreau and Emerson and our great teachers. We are invited to practice Thoreau's attitude in life, not just in the face of death, in the face of our own death, or in the face of the death of those we love. But in the face of all the ends, all the limitations, all of the conclusions that will inevitably meet us as we go through this life. Now, our religious tradition that Emerson and Thoreau helped to shape and form it is suspicious, rightfully so, of rigid dogma. We say the world's great wisdom Is too abundant, too large, too rich, to be narrowed down into just one single tradition. But the thing is, is that dogma is not just religious or spiritual. There is also emotional dogma as well. A narrow and constrained way of living. Because the thing is, maybe dogma does not want to start out as narrow. Maybe dogma starts out, in fact, because it loves something very, very much. Those high points, those people, those absolute moments of inspiration. And dogma perhaps wants to say, we got to nail those down, keep them from flying away, and keep them here with us. Because maybe we're afraid that they'll never come back around again. Maybe there is a loving motivation behind even the most rigid dogma. The problem with dogmatic way of living, religiously, emotionally, spiritually, the insistence, this way only, that way only, this path only, this person only. The problem with this kind of insistence is that either religiously or emotionally. We will be fighting life all of our days. Because life will force us beyond where we want to go. I hear the words of Mary Oliver. Poets and Unitarian Talking about death, but she's also talking about just the many conclusions the many transitions that are with us all throughout life So this isn't just about life at its end. It's about right here right now wherever you are in your life Whatever conclusions you are facing perhaps even fighting She said to live in this world. You must be able to do three things to love what is mortal and knows an end to hold it This mortal thing against your bones, knowing that your own life depends upon it. And when the time comes to let it go, let it go. Another great poet, Rainer Maria Roca, in his Love Poems to God, one of my favorite collections of individual poems I've ever read, he, in his prayers, in his poems, he fought his tendency. With his active, overly active, over fervid, over fevered hands. He said, My fevered hands, they hide you from me. The first time I ever saw anyone praying open handed, have you ever seen that? Not closed handed, but open handed. And it was after I had read this Roka quote, I said, That is awesome. That's wonderful. Because if prayer is not, and I do not believe it is, a dear Santa to God wish list, I've been a good little boy, a good little girl, please give me what I desire. But instead, if about prayer, prayer is about opening our spirits, about giving fully, receiving fully, then frankly, open-handed prayer makes so much more sense. Not closed down, opened up. That's the secret in so much in life. Learning to hold not too tight and not too loose. Learning to hold instead what is essential to us so that it is ours for a time. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. The reason for this is because our hearts and their way, in their path, are growing wise. Our hearts are not just injured by cruelty or malice, although sometimes they are. But even more, our hearts can be injured because of what we love. Because of what is good and beneficial for us. Because when the time comes to let them go, we cannot let them go. Especially when what we love is actually who we love. When what is beneficial to us is another person. Now, Paul, in the Christian scriptures, he's got a great little phrase that he talks about entertaining angels unaware. That in our lives, we will entertain angels unaware. This is not a supernatural thing. Maybe he meant it that way, but that's not the way I take it. I think that, in fact, it can be somewhat of a healthy thing from time to time to entertain angels unaware. The angels that lift our spirits, that teach us to take ourselves lightly with love. See, because maybe if we were aware that angels were angels... We would get worried, and we'd want them to stay with us. And so we would clip their wings, and by clipping their wings, try to force them not from flying away from us so that they would stay with us longer. They would reflect our anxiety. But clipping an angel's wings, that would be denying them what makes them angelic in the first place, which is that there is this free gift of love and light in each and every one of our lives. We want, it is a tendency in all of us, we want to nail down life. By the way, that word attachment, both in the Buddhist sense and in so many different traditions, attachment, it comes from the French word to nail down. Think about that. When you nail something down, well, we got to do that sometimes. But there's also a form of violence, it's also a form of saying, you must stay here. Now, in the Buddhist understanding of attachment, it comes in two forms. We remember sometimes the one which is the clinginess. Stay, stay, halt, like a dog, you know? Stay, here, now. But there's another kind of attachment as well, too, which is just as difficult for us. It's aversion. It's not nailing down as much as it is nailing in. Keeping life so far away that we hold it at bay because we're afraid of our hearts getting hurt. Because the truth is that it hurts very much to say goodbye. It hurts to leave. And it hurts when we are leaved by those we love. People pass in and out of our lives. That song is absolutely right. It will come and go. Some of the saddest and the happiest days are when a childhood friend moves away or the first day of school or the last day of school. I always hated that graduation was called commencement. Because it's not just commencement. It's not just the beginning of something. It's the end of something as well. Whenever any kind of significant relationship for us ends, we need to remember, and it's a soulful capacity that alongside the pain and the sorrow and the saying goodbye, to also hold open that space in our hearts for gratitude. Because gratitude makes all relationships, the most significant ones especially, the most ones that hurts especially. Thankfulness will make our relationships into soulful relationships. Because we know the truth with the friend or the beloved or any of those people most precious to us. We don't get to keep them. They're not ours to hold on to forever. They are a gift to share in for some time. And then when the time comes to let them go. As the poet said. Let them go. Think of your past friendships. Your past relationships. The ones. The people perhaps that you wish you could see more. Of. And for whatever reason you cannot. Somewhere these friendships even though you don't see them anymore these people are on this earth they are walking and they are talking they are sharing and laughing and loving even though they are not here and not with you but the earth is a better place for their presence and you are a better person for their presence in your life excuse me i'm getting over cold There's a band called the Water Boys that has this amazing about six and a half, seven-minute song called A Bang on the Ear. And what the singer-songwriter does, Mike Scott in this song, is he relates about every failed relationship he has ever had in his entire life. And there's this chorus that happens. and I'm sending them my love and a bang on the ear. But also love at the same time, too. See, he's trying to sort out the fact that all these people, all these ex-girlfriends, the song says, they're still with him. But also we hear in that, that sometimes there are relationships that don't end well at all. There are relationships that end in bitterness or in difficulty. And that's the challenge, then. Can we be grateful even for those relationships that do not end well. Can we exist outside the shadow, the dark shadow of their end? And if you find yourself, perhaps today, thinking of some people who you've parted with and parted ways with in the past, and it's painful to think about them, and you're having a tough time thinking of thankfulness or gratitude, I'd invite you to try this little exercise. Next slide. I invite you to fill in the blank. Because of you, I can or I am. Those tough relationships, those ones that hurt when they come about. If you're having a tough time thinking of where's the gratitude in that for me, try that practice. Fill in the blank in your own way. Because of you, because of you, and you're no longer here. Because of you, I can now. Or because of you, I now am. Fill in the blank. Because as you fill in the blank, you will also be growing your heart wiser. See, because through that person, through that experience, even through that end, if you can fill in the blank, you have showed yourself that you have learned something that you needed to learn. And where you can experience gratitude, There you can know that gratitude is even stronger than any end we experience We experience gratitude as well, too We grow wise hearts And we are educated by impermanence By the change that exists at the very heart of what it means to be human That change that is really just another word for creation Creation is not something long ago and far away Contained in the first couple books of the bible creation continues here and now. It is ceaseless. It moves forward. It exists at the heart of who we are and what our lives are. Thich Nhat has got some wonderful words about impermanence. He starts, he says, nothing remains the same for two consecutive moments. And he quotes the old historian Heraclitus. He said, Heraclitus says we can never bathe twice in the exact same river. It is always moving. And Hahn goes on to say, we are tempted to say that because things are impermanent, that's why we suffer. But no, he says. We suffer because we think things are permanent. And then we are upset when they reveal themselves to be caught in the midst of change. He says that when a flower dies, we might be sad for a little while, but we do not mourn. Because We expect that the flower will be impermanent. But with those we love, with our lives and relationships, it is very hard to accept the impermanence, the fact that we change and they change. And he concludes, But if you look deeply into impermanence, you will do your best right now to make those dear to you, those who are your beloved Do your best to make them happy now. Aware of impermanence, you can become positive and loving and wise. There is good news in impermanence. You can change. Impermanence, he concludes, is an instrument for our liberation, for our being free. Our attitude to impermanence is really our attitude about life, our attitude about time. Do we favor? Do we hold? Not too tight or too loose? Or do we quarrel? Saying I want more. Speaking of impermanence, John Updike, the great novelist, just recently passed away, grew up around here. I remember his book, Too Far To Go. It's a collection of short stories. It's about the rise and the ultimate fall of a family. And of a marriage. And I remember a little bit about the short stories. What I most remember is from the foreword to the book. He writes this. That a marriage ends is less than ideal. But all things end under heaven. And as time is held to be invalidating. Then nothing real succeeds. If time is held to be invalidating. Then nothing real succeeds When I first read this I thought I'm seeing a picture of myself right here I know what it's like to live with that kind of anxiety When there is never, ever enough time I articulated this most strongly In arguing in my teenage years with my parents For an extra couple hours on my curfew And I would do it in this fashion Come on mom It's the last time I'm going to see Chris before vacation is over. Come on, it's the last time before she has to go off to a job interview. Come on, it's the last time. And then one time, my mother said, after about a month of this, she said, do you realize you've told me it's the last time, five times, that you're going to be seeing your best friend Chris? And I could recognize for the first time that I was having a premature grief for the moment's in some ways, killing the moment, even before the moment was born. See, because if permanence is the only judge for the success of our lives, then nothing real, no relationship does succeed, or it ever gets the last word. But what makes our lives most meaningful, most real, is not judged finally by what we can capture or keep, because that is a losing battle. The success and the meaning of our lives is judged by what we can appreciate and what we can love, even as our relationships inevitably come to conclusion. The test of the validity of our lives, as Updike was trying to take a look at, says that if creation is still going on around us, and impermanence is the rule of life, and we cannot expect permanence, perhaps we can expect something else, which is completeness. And this is a question you can ask yourselves right here, right now, and in the days to come. How completely are you experiencing the transitions in your lives? How completely are you experiencing love, grief, passing, hope, joy? How completely, which is to say, how much are you awakened in the midst of these transitions? Moving from permanence to completeness is the way that our lives, as Updike would say, become valid. And what does the word valid mean other than true? Our lives are true and not false, according to our ability to be fully awake in the very midst of what life gives us. Kind of like one of the most iconic things that's ever been put up on a screen, the ending of Casablanca. And Rick has just put Ilsa on the plane because it's not safe to stay, and their time is over and yes they'll always have Paris and it's the right thing for them to part. And then Rick turns to Louis and says Louis I think this is the start this is, excuse me the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Thoreau would have approved of that line. Thoreau would have approved of Rick's ability to let go and not to quarrel. And to remain open to the fact that life still has beautiful friendships in it. How often do all of us, from time to time, quarrel with God, with our lives, with time? Supposing if we could only have just a little bit more, then we would be satisfied. But the problem is then, we just want a little bit more after that. And a little bit more after that and a little bit more after that and the life that we want is always proceeding ahead of us and it never quite arrives here within us. Because if we judge our lives according to the standard of how much or how often, then there will never be enough. If you count your blessings, which is a good thing to do, numbering them. It's kind of a gratitude list. But if you count your blessings because you want to keep and capture your blessings, if that's your intent, then that, I tell you, is the surest way to make your blessings unsatisfactory to you. Because all things do conclude, but not all things must conclude poorly. If we have wise hearts, we learn to say goodbye, and we learn to be grateful at the same time. Because this is the hidden secret, if we can say goodbye. We know that nothing ever really closes. They transition. They might appear to finish. But in fact, the good news that creation is not long ago and far away, but right here in our midst, if creation continues, so does every meaningful thing, even if it changes. If we can exchange our need for things to resolve, for things to come to a conclusion... In a way that we are satisfied with. And instead replace that with our love for things being open-ended. Perhaps that open-endedness will even introduce us to a dimension of time that is beyond all time. And that is eternity. So there's a word in the conclusion of this message. Which I hope doesn't end for you. There's a word I cannot stand. And there's a word I do not use. Closure. can't stand that word. Because what meaningful thing in your life has ever closed down? Just last week, and it's perhaps because I've been watching a lot of exhibition baseball, I had a dream about hitting a home run when I was in Little League. Now, i got to be truthful there. Actually, it actually was a triple and an error on the center fielder. <laughs> but the coach, he said, you have a home run. That' even that, is not closed. Life is here within us. Meaning abides. Life stays. Creation is not concluded, which means creation is creating you, and you are creating it. Rather than that psychobabel word, closure, instead try and live with completeness. It's another word for fullness. Another word for growing and having, a wise heart. Which is ultimately to know that the wiseness and the wisdom of our hearts are not about a content that we can tell another person. Finally, the wisdom of our hearts is known as this. Peace. Peace and completeness and the fullness of our lives. That is what it means to grow a wise heart. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together.